Welcome to KYH2O, a podcast about all things water in Kentucky. I'm Carmen Agaritas, an Extension Associate Professor in the Biosystems and Agricultural Engineering Department at the University of Kentucky. And I'm Amanda Gumbert, an Extension Specialist for Water Quality with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Join us as we get our feet wet exploring Kentucky's water resources. Well, welcome back to another episode of KYH2O. Um, Usually on our podcast, we cover lots of topics related, um, at least to this point, focused on water quality. And this week, we're gonna talk a little bit about water quantity. So Carmen, you got to uh, go out in the field with one of our um, extension specialists who has um, expertise in irrigation. So tell us a little bit about that. Right, so I visited with uh, Richard Warner, who um, is Emeritus Extension Professor in the Biosystems and Engineering Department. And one of Richard's specialty areas is actually an irrigation and we focused on homeowner irrigation and what people could do uh, to conserve water as they're also maintaining the beauty of their lawns and their landscape. So um, Richard talks a little bit about how irrigation calls are often driven by dry weather and as of late we haven't had much of that. We have not. We've had a big surplus of water but when we do have a drought um, lots of calls come in. So we do hear some um, and more about irrigation in relation to um, production agriculture even. Um, But like you said, we're gonna talk and listen to Richard talk a little bit about some of the options that homeowners have for irrigating their landscaping and lawns. That's right, Uh, did irrigation for the whole spectrum, basically residential commercial irrigation, like around a house or hotels, uh, golf courses, and then for agricultural from a homeowner garden to fairly large commercial growers for fruits and vegetables. So Carmen, oftentimes um, we may be driving through town or, or walking through our neighborhoods and, and we see irrigation systems that are running, at least I see them, at seemingly inopportune times. Um, I mean, I remember taking a, a basic plants science course and and they talked about how we really shouldn't irrigate or water in the middle of the afternoon, in the heat of the day, I guess, as the old timers might say. So um, explain a little bit more. So I agree with you. You know, you see 2 p.m. on a hot summer afternoon, the water's running, which might be great if you were running through the sprinkle system to cool off, but it's not the best time for watering your plants just because so much of that water that gets sprayed, especially if it's going through the air, actually evaporates and turns back into a gas and goes back up. So you're spending a lot of um, money on that water just to have it go away and never reach your plants. And I was actually a little surprised by the time that Richard said was the best time to uh, irrigate. And that time is bright and early in the morning, probably before most of us even get out of bed, which says a lot for why you probably want an automatic system. So let's listen to Richard tell us a little bit about how automatic systems might work in the home landscape. Uh, Obviously the simplest one is just hook up a hose and uh, stand out there in water. And that may sound like a waste of time, but some people find it very relaxing. And they usually do in the evening, which is probably not the best time to water, but it makes sense. Uh, There are automatic irrigation systems that have controllers that can turn on different size irrigation heads and that can take care of the grass or turf areas. You'll have different ones for your landscape. Uh, If you have a garden, 
you have a few options there. You can, uh, again, hand water, or you can put in usually a drip irrigation system. So Richard talks about multiple systems. Um, and I'll be honest, the, the irrigation uh, systems in the home landscape, I am not that detailed and, I guess, um, that invested in our home landscape. I, I tend to be one of those who waters by hand and drags a hose around um, when we get into desperate times of the, of the summer when, when my tomatoes are looking droopy. Um, but if you really are interested in, in investing in an irrigation system, um, what are the different types that you might think about? Or maybe what are some things that you should think about as a homeowner? Well, if you don't want to go out with your hose and you actually want to have um, more of an automatic system, one of the things you need to think about is how would you break up your yard? Uh, so my yard, for instance, or my home, I have turf, so I have the grass, but I also have landscaping. And I have landscaping like flowers, but I also have stuff like bushes. And so when you break up your, your yard, you want to think about the different types of plants that are there. You also want to think about um, all the zones, probably you don't want to turn them on at once. So when we talk about a zone, we're talking about an area that may be the turf or the landscaping. They probably want to come on at different times because they're going to need different amounts of water. Um, and they may need to have that water delivered to them in different ways. Uh, so when you start to design your yard, you start to think about, or your landscaping, what kind of plants do I have? Um, and do they all need the same amount of water? And also, Richard talks a little bit about ir um, automatic irrigation systems um, so that we can avoid watering like while it's raining, yeah. right? I think we've all been out either right after a heavy rainfall. I was driving around last week and it was actively raining and saw an irrigation system on. Um, so let's listen to what Richard has to say about um, ways that we can invest in maybe some low cost additions to an automatic system. And frequently we'll see that. The problem is that people have these controllers. They may set them to go on every second day, maybe every third day at a given time. It runs through all these various zones. And so for maybe a third acre uh, lot, you may have eight or 10 zones and you may water a total of maybe five or six hours. And since they're automatic, they just go on. Um, you can buy for about $100 a rain sensor. And what that does is basically says, it has a cup and it measures it and says, oh, it's already rained, there's sufficient water. So when the controller goes to try to go on, it first looks at the rain sensor and it says, you know, we don't need water today. And it's a very simple and expensive way of conserving water. So for somebody that might be a little skeptical about irrigation systems, um, you know, Richard does have a few good points about water conservation. Even with utilizing water in the landscape, you know, conservation is something we should still keep in mind. So let's take a listen and, um, and hear what he has seen over time where folks have problems, but maybe some good solutions to those problems. Depends what kind of irrigation head or irrigation nozzle. Some are designed specifically for turf, and they'll throw out 25 to maybe 45 feet. Uh, especially you'll see road, turf, sidewalk, turf. And in that case, sometimes people will use the larger head 
and they'll basically spray over the sidewalk, which obviously makes it difficult for walkers, or they won't be adjusted correctly. And instead of just spraying the turf area, they'll spray their, their driveways very frequently. I've seen it go halfway out into the road and certainly covering the sidewalk. You can use different types of irrigation heads so for those smaller sort of strip areas, they're maybe eight, 10 foot wide. There's specific heads for that. And that way you can keep the water strictly on your turf. Well, one of the things that we find, especially when somebody puts in a new sprinkler system, uh, automatic sprinkler system, quite frankly, it's, it's kind of catches the eye. What they do is they rotate around and, and I find it rather attractive and, and many people do as well. So one, they like to show it to their neighbors and they turn it on. The other thing is that they actually like to watch it. And then there's a tendency since these sprays sort of move slowly and they kind of think, well, I need to let it run longer so I can do it, do it, yeah, do it properly. And quite frankly, they're always overwatering in the beginning and usually the lessons learned when the water bill comes in. So something, Carmen, that I felt was really an interesting point mm -hmm. that Richard mentioned a couple of times um, was the human entertainment element yeah. of watering. Yeah. And I hadn't really thought about that before. Um, but like I said, I'm a hand waterer, so a lot of times I'm hauling, you know, water in a watering can from our rain barrels or maybe from the, the spigot. Um, and there is a bit of peacefulness that kind of comes with that. I think people like seeing water go onto the ground. I mean, it, think about it. Most of us when we were kids probably played in the sprinklers or something similar. So I'm sure while we're out there watering, it also brings back a little bit of nostalgic feeling whether or not we're totally realizing that. Right, and maybe it's a bit um, of a, a meditative activity to, to watch water, you know, move across the landscape and infiltrate in the soil. And, you know, I get, I'm kind of, nerdy that way with soil so I do think about how it infiltrates and and that kind of thing but I just thought it was an interesting point that he made multiple times so he's obviously heard this a lot over time that that's just a reminder of that human connection to the natural world and to water that we have even when we may be standing on you know on our lawn and there's you know cars going by or what have you but probably that might be really what people like to water at the end of the day. It's kind of a nice it's way. Boring. Yeah, absolutely. So a nice way to calm down and, and think through what happened that day and get ready for the next, I guess. One of the topics that Richard and I talked about when we were um, in his backyard near his irrigation system was actually people using rain barrels to help supply the water for their irrigation system. So he said he's seen some people do that with drip irrigation. Have you done that? Well, so I have, let's see, one, two, three, four rain barrels um, around the house. And we actually do have one of the rain barrels um, that is um, situated near um, some shrubbery um, on the front of the house, the landscaping in the front of the house. And it does have a drip hose attached to it. And, and really sometimes, especially the last couple of years, I've struggled to utilize all of the water in our rain barrel that we've collected because we have plenty. 
Um, sometimes during the drier months, I run out of water in it, you know, just hand watering. But I have attached that drip hose um, to the rain barrel and then just open it up. The problem that I have is I have to remember to go close it back once the barrel is empty. So it'll fill back again. Right, right, because there have been a couple of times that I've gone out and we've had this, you know, downpour and I'm like, oh good, my rain barrels fill back up. And um, incidentally, I left it open. So I know Richard talks about um, people overwatering because sometimes they'll turn on a system and then forget to turn it back off. So I can kind of relate to that. You know, you'd, you'd start something and, and you get distracted, you go back inside and you forget what you were working on. So the other question, Carmen, that, that some of our listeners might have, if they are thinking about investigating um, an irrigation system, or they, maybe they do have one, is how should they care for it? Are there certain things that they should do at certain times of the year? There are. Uh, one of the big ones that I have an irrigation system in my house that I do with is every fall when it starts to get really cold again and I don't need the irrigation system anymore is I have to winterize it. So basically that consists of me making sure the water supply to it is cut off and that I blow out all water within the pipes. Um, as we know, water expands when it freezes. If you've got pipes underground and there's no way for that water to expand, your pipes are going to burst. So that's usually the biggest thing that I do. So do you have somebody come in and do that or do you do the air forcing through it or do you gravity drain it? I'm a big DIYer, so I do it myself. Um, I actually have an air compressor at home that I have an adaptation I built that literally just goes on to my irrigation system. And uh, my kids love it because it's amazing how it pops up all the heads at once and blows all the water out. But a lot of people, they can contract it out with a local landscaping company or something like that. They'll come around, irrigation company, they'll come around and winterize their um, irrigation system. In the spring, when it comes time, if I want to start running it again, uh, it's like anything else. You know, you turn back all the water, you turn on all the zones just to make sure everything works. And over the winter, something um, didn't go afoul. So it's pretty common to, to request that of a landscaping company, or, or do you have to get an, a company that specializes in irrigation? Um, probably not. It's, it's not a very complicated process to do. Um, I have never personally tried to contract it out because, like I said, I do it myself, but I've seen a lot of other companies that may do irrigation. So I've seen some landscaping companies go around and, and do that for people in, in the general area that I live in. So maybe when... We have, it's also important for us to remember to unhook our outside water hoses from our outside spigot. So about that time when we're starting to unhook the hoses, same time we would want to make sure we winterize an irrigation system. Exactly. And, and for me, I do it when I know my plants aren't going to need any more water. So usually um, I get into that October time frame. Things start to really go dormant. They're getting prepared for the winter. Um, that's the time that it starts getting cooler and we just... You know, a nice day before it gets really cold, go out and do the winterization. And at my house, it may take me 15 minutes of hooking everything up and doing it. Oh, well, that's pretty simple then. You know, one of the other benefits um, that Richard talks about is increasing your yield from having consistent watering. So let's listen to what Richard has to say about that. When you're looking at putting an irrigation system, a drip irrigation system in for your garden, there's some real advantages to it. Um, one is that the easiest way is to simply turn on your faucet and let it run for half hour, 45 minutes. 
The problem is every once in a while you'll forget to turn it off and then that adds up to a fair amount of water usage. A very simple way to resolve that, it's almost like on the old stoves, they used to have like a clock that you'd turn and, and that's what it is. It costs about $10 and you just turn it and say run for a half an hour. And then on the, on the brochure that comes with that, it says if you're running for 10 minutes, this is roughly how many gallons per minute. Uh, more expensive, but not much more expensive, for about $35 is like a single controller, a single station, just for your garden, basically. On that one, you can program it and say, I want you to come on every day or every other day, and I want you to run for a certain length of time. And that way, especially if you're on vacation, it just takes care of your watering as well. A very good ways to tend not to overwater. And a big advantage, I'll give an example for tomatoes. Uh, tomatoes, all of us who grow tomatoes find that they get cracks. They, they you know, basically they expand too large. And what happens when you're dry and then it rains, the tomato will tend to take the water up very quickly and expand and the skin, if you will, of the tomato can expand and it will crack. So the advantage of a drip system is you get very high quality as well as a large amount of quantity as well. Could easily be two to three times more of high quality, um, high quality and high quantity basically of your, of your vegetables. But it was interesting to hear Richard say it in it, that if you have, um, you know, consistent water um, that an irrigation system can offer, that the advantage of, is maybe increasing your yield, and maybe, maybe that yield is your five tomato plants that you have in your garden, you know, two to three times above that that you might get if you didn't consistently water or consistently irrigate. and. So, you know, I've always been a little skeptical of an irrigation system, probably because, you know, I'm a little thrifty and don't want to pay for that. But, I mean, he makes a pretty good point that we could really increase yields of our produce, um, you know, in our vegetable gardens just by having consistent watering. So, Carmen, um, anything else that maybe we could share with our listeners about irrigation systems? Um, do we have references or do we have other resources that if our listeners want to go and learn more about irrigation systems, like the specifics, you know, the kind of the technical part of it, where might they find that? We do the College of Agriculture, Food and Environment uh, on our YouTube um, site has a great video that goes through how you can um, design or install a home garden uh, irrigation system. And so that's something we'll put on our explore more section of our podcast so that if you're interested in actually learning more of the details, the technical aspects of putting in an irrigation system, it'll be available for you to reference. Well, great. Well, Carmen, it's been fun to talk about water quantity today, and uh, we look forward to more topics with KYH2O. You've been listening to Carmen Agaritas and Amanda Gumbert. Learn more about water at uky.edu forward slash BAE forward slash KYH2O. Subscribe to hear all episodes of KYH2O.